horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, we are here. We are being social. We are being distanced. Uh, hands are clean. Uh, drinking water and uh, all is well with the world. I hope that everyone's listening is is uh, healthy and abiding by the rules. You know, out here in the Midwest, uh, we're starting to uh, flatline on the curve because uh, we're very good boys and girls and we listen to our leaders and everybody's really been staying uh, isolated you know i mean uh, started doing facetime with a bunch of my buddies and then last week we said the heck with this we didn't go any place indoors but we all met uh, in the parking lot behind the studio here and uh, parked our cars uh, 12 feet away popped the trunks and uh, had a little happy hour with the boys, but it was great just to get out and, and to be social. Um, meanwhile, locked at home with one of my sons and my wife, and uh, I'm kind of the uh, gopher there. Uh, I do have my surgical masks and gloves. Thank you to my brother-in-law for sending those along. And uh, so I uh, can't fit any more food in the freezer. The weather's breaking, been working the barbecue and... Uh, so uh, we're, we're getting through it, folks, and I hope all of you are, too. Well, uh, the show must go on, and it's going to, uh, with uh, multiple award-winning writer. You've been reading him for years, uh, none other than Jay, Hub- <laughs> Jay <laughs> Privman will be with us uh, from the Daily Racing Forum. And uh, I kind of want to get the feel for how Jay's doing. We haven't had him on in a while. You know, he's the kind of the West Coast uh, uh, representative. He's been covering that territory for over two decades for the forum and just kind of get his observations and uh, see what's shifting out there. I hear rumors of uh, Santa Anita dates moving to Los Alamitos and uh, different rumors about uh, uh, Turf Paradise, Arizona Downs. and So maybe Jay has a little more insight to that. And I just want to see how things are going on the West Coast. And if anybody would know about it, it would be Jay Privman. And then if anybody would know about what's going on in Kentucky and other parts of the Midwest, it would be none other than the former host of this show, the one and only Ed Meyer will join us. Ed uh, has been uh, doing some of his uh, handicapping for sure. As a matter of fact, had the pick five at Will Rogers. <laughs> uh, that's right, folks. Uh, will Rogers and Foner Park are getting action. They never thought that they would see uh, while the whole world's watching. And uh, so... Uh, uh, anyhow, I'm going to be talking to Ed about what he's been doing and, and talk to him a lot about his old stopping grounds um, that uh, is known as Turfway Park. I think it will still be known as that, even though it is now owned by Churchill Downs. And kind of some of the stories he's got, I, I think Ed started, I know he started going there with his father when he was just a kid. So he'd been handicapping there forever, but I think at one point he 
uh, got a job in the parking lot and then he worked his way up. He was in customer relations and then he was doing, you know, public relations. He was doing the on-air uh, paddock handicapping. And uh, in these last couple of years, he's been a racing official over there. Um, so it'll be interesting to get uh, Ed's insights into uh, the big uh, ball coming down on the grandstand, uh, probably long overdue at Turfway, but it's been through a couple ownership changes in the last eight years. And um, from what I've seen to the drawing plans, Churchill's going to do a great job. So we're going to be talking to Ed about that. But on the handicapping menu, I'm telling you what, Oaklawn and Tampa are putting on sensational cards this weekend. Now at Oaklawn, uh, it's, it's not really a uh, derby prep, but it could be, and that's called the Oaklawn Stakes. It's a mile and an eighth, and the winner of this race automatically gets a bid to the Arkansas Derby, which being a high point 100 top end race uh, will mean whoever wins that race uh, has entrance into the Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday in September. <laughs> That's strange to say. But anyhow, this Oaklawn, what a race. I mean, it, it has drawn some really, really top horses and uh, top horsemen. Um, catching my eye, of course, off the top. I'm good at catching the easy stuff to find. Is uh, the hopeful winner Basin from the Asmussen Barn. Only came came back in the Rebel and uh, had traffic at, at the quarter pole. I'm not saying it was going to win because Nadal uh, took home the top spot, and that horse looks like he could be any kind. But anyhow, uh, finished a, a, a decent third. Florent Giroux will be the new jockey. Uh, but this horse uh, started its career breaking its maiden at Saratoga and then going on to win the prestigious grade one hopeful stakes. So, But he's just won the other one, I, I think, that, Tops to the pop is a thousand words. Bob Baffert with a million dollar son of pioneer of the Nile who came out, started his career with maiden win, grade two win, grade three win. And then in the San Philippe, just kind of scratching my head over this, uh, Finished fourth, but was beaten 11 and a quarter lengths uh, with Authentic getting the top spot in there. Um, so uh, it looks like he's regrouping. And boy, the horse has been coming back and working great for Baffert, but it seems like all of his horses do. So we'll see. Uh, Flavian Pratt, the regular rider, has been replaced by Joe Talamo, who is riding uh, very well at Oaklawn. So the other uh, big race at Oaklawn will be the Oaklawn Mile. I'm dying to hear who Ed likes in here. 14 horses entered in this race, and uh, they'll be going a mile. I'm not sure if they got a 14-horse gate. Uh, talked to Ed earlier in the day. He was going to check that out and see if any of these horses had a scratch because of the gate limitations. Uh, but anyhow, nice $150,000 stake at Oklahoma. 14 horses. Four of them are making their 2020 debut, and all four of those look dangerous. And then we're going to play the pick three in between the two races I just talked about will be a maiden special weight that could be a derby prep. There's at least three that are already nominated uh, to Kentucky Derby in there, but some really up-and-coming three-year-olds. And again, this is a maiden special weight. So it's going to be interesting. Ed will be helping us out with that. So uh, let's get to uh, some of the national news that's come down. As you know, most of it uh, uh, is 
influenced by the uh, uh, corona, uh, if you want to call it that, the virus. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it's really impacted the, the way that uh, we get a chance to watch racing. Now, like in New York, uh, Saratoga meet remains on schedule, but the Oklahoma track is delayed in opening up. So uh, they plan on beating, uh, beginning the meet on July 14th, uh, but uh, they were scheduled to open up the, the training track and the Saratoga stabling area on April 15th. But again, because of the coronavirus, uh, it's being pushed back. So uh, they do say that it's not going to impact the racing season. Uh, begins July 16th and runs through September. September 7th. Uh, still no uh, word on whether or not the Travers will be moved to the earlier part of the meet to uh, uh, help horses prep for the uh, Labor Day weekend Kentucky Derby. All right, here's some good news. We got good news and bad news all through the national news. Uh, is that Javier Castellano has been given the all clear after. Uh, testing positive for COVID-19. So uh, he's called it the biggest challenge of his life. And really, he praised Gulfstream Park for stopping him from riding uh, because of the track's approach and keeping the, the horses and uh, the track personnel, horsemen, all safe. So he spent 14 days in quarantine in South Florida at the home of his 64-year-old mother. And uh, so as part of the strict protocols they they caught it early he wasn't even allowed on the track so no other riders were you know affected or infected by him and uh so he, he gives them all credit he said they, they set up procedures that were great because of the situation and they enforced it uh so uh he's the only way to ride is to get tested whether you come from in or out of town so javier glad to be back and okay. Now, being postponed, Monmouth Park will postpone its meet and its stable opening. Uh, the meet had been scheduled to begin May 2nd and runs through the 27th. Uh, so they're going to keep everybody informed and see what's going to happen. Uh, they do intend to still have the centerpiece of the Monmouth Park season, the $1 million TVG Haskell Invitational, uh, scheduled for July 8th. So uh, it's a win and you're in for the Breeders' Cup. We'll find out if it's going to be a Derby points race. So uh, that's coming up. And then, of course, uh, we just found out that the match series, which is so important to the Mid-Atlantic region, uh, has been canceled. Uh, just too much uh, unknown as far as which tracks, because it goes between so many. I mean, uh, Laurel Park, uh, Hollywood Casino, uh I believe it uh, also goes to uh, uh, some grass races. Uh, sorry about that. My cursor just took the story right off my screen. But uh, nonetheless, uh, the match series has been canceled. Those other tracks, Colonial Downs, Delaware, Parks Racing, and Penn National, the Hollywood Casino. Uh, British Racing is hoping to come back Uh They've had to push their card back. And uh, let's see. Uh, uh, good news front. Half-Sister to Justify was just dropped. Uh, she's got a really nice blaze uh, by her brother. Uh, the Dam, 13-year-old Stage Magic. 
the Foal of Philly by Curlin. You can go up on the internet and find some photos. Does uh, uh, have, uh, and I think he gets it from the dam, that big old blaze. Tyler Gaffleone was the jockey of the week. And uh, we got to move to the one race we did look at last week. It was a $100,000 stake, the Purple Martin at Oaklawn Park. We could have a new star on the rise here, folks. That's right. Kamari, Wesley Ward trainee that went over after breaking his maiden by 15 lengths to compete in the Queen Mary stakes, just missed by a head in a 25 horse field that says something uh did go and went win a uh, 100,000 stake at uh, Saratoga uh won the Indian Summer at Keeneland and uh finished a fast closing fourth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint this race back on the main track Channing Hill was in the saddle for West Ward in the second spot was one of the favorites Frank's Rockette Bill Mott's got a lot of fresh three-year-olds right now. In the third spot was Edgeway, second-time starter from the John Sadler barn. All right, well, that closes out national news and a look at what's coming up and who's going to be with us. None other than DRF's Jay Privman is going to join us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Namaste right there. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, a fine gentleman of the sport, numerous awards for his writing. He's been working for the 
daily racing form, I believe I can say for at least two decades now, if his bio serves him well. None other than Jay Privman. Jay, haven't talked to you for a while. How have you been? Good, John. Uh, trying to just you know get through everything here, but uh, always good to be back in touch with you, and I appreciate you having me on. Well, you know, I just wanted to get your perspective. I've, I've always uh, respected your opinion and, of course, have enjoyed your writing. Uh, but uh, you, you always seem to, uh, you know, put uh, a very uh, – a lot of thought into what you write and obviously what you say too. So I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, what, what's your kind of – I'm, you know, you were the West – you are the West Coast correspondent. Um, what's the feel out there right now? Just a lot of uncertainty and anxiety, really, because, as you know, within the last couple of weeks, first the racing got shut down at Santa Anita by the county health department there, and then uh, was shut down at Golden Gate Fields in Northern California by the county health department there. Um, so right now, other than the quarter horse racing at night at Los Alamitos, which includes some thoroughbred racing uh, up to 870 yards worth uh, you know basically a half mile race there's there's really no thoroughbred racing going on in the state right now and there's no known date of resumption of racing and i think that's what makes this you know all the more difficult for everybody involved is you don't know when things are going to at least start to get back to, I'm not even going to say normal, because normal is going to take a long time, but even the semblance of being able to run racing like they were at Santa Anita prior to having to shut down, where uh, you're running with no fans on track and, and things of that nature. So you just don't know when that's going to be able to be allowed again, and, and that's made everybody pretty anxious here because the horses still need to eat and be trained, but are you training them for a race that might happen in three weeks or, or three months? You, do, you just don't know. Now, is Jay Privman allowed on the track? No. Um, uh, the way it started to come down was um, at first, when they first stopped allowing fans on track, uh, media members were still allowed, and so were owners at that point. And then the next round of uh, cutting back was no more media and no no owners. Just trainers could bring their horses over from the stable, stable area with a groom and a second person, and that was it. Um, so I haven't been at Santa Anita for a month now, and wow. nobody's allowed – at the track in the mornings, not even the private clockers can be there anymore. The association clockers are there for recording workouts, but there's a pretty vibrant private clocking community out here, and even they're not allowed on track anymore. No fans, no media. I, mean, I couldn't even go into the stable area if I wanted to to see anybody. So um, I, like most everybody else in California, has had to just remain at home, and I've had to just do my work via telephone for the last several weeks. Jay, for somebody that's always been so active and uh, out amongst the, the, the happenings at, at, the, at the, the, the track and, uh, you know, a sport that's as vibrant and as exciting as ours, what's that like for you personally? Well, it's, it, you know, it's obviously uh, a hard way to, to try and do my job. It's not ideal, but I have to 
uh, obviously be soberly realistic about what's going on. And, you know, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people who are in a lot worse situations than I am, uh, a lot worse situations than I am. And uh, I try to be grateful that I'm not in that position and be understanding of people who are in worse positions, uh, you know, including people at the racetrack right now who are going to work every day without any known source of income at the moment. Uh, And, you know, just that. And then, and that's just in our little world of racing. And then you look at what's going on with restaurants in the area where I live and other businesses. And it's, it's, there's some real hardships right now for a lot of people. So it's certainly difficult and not what I'd want to be doing, but, you know, I'm, I'm far from alone and, and more fortunate than most and really feel for the people that are, are struggling worse and, and hoping that this can be resolved, uh, you know, as, as, as quickly as possible. Now, you're not there to observe it, but from whatever thing you know, I mean, the trainers and backstretch workers and probably uh, feed men and veterinarians are doing their normal jobs on the backstretch. Would that be correct? That's correct. I mean, they're all considered essential personnel, and that's what the that's what the government officials have. Um, that's kind of the line of demarcation for what's allowed and not allowed, not just in racing, but in any business. For instance, grocery store workers are considered essential personnel. Obviously, people who work at a hospital are the most essential personnel right now. But in terms of the racetrack specifically, uh, people who work on the backside and and serve uh, keeping the animals healthy are considered essential personnel for that business and are allowed to, to go there and continue caring for the animals. Well, I, I think it's great that they are, but, you know, uh, we're g- going to – what scares me, Jay, is the owners are taking a hit because those horses have to eat and be cared for, you know, in every way that they always were. And so there are going to be bills, but there's not a whole lot of purses to be running for today. And, and that's my fear that we might lose some of these people uh, in the game because – they're taking a hit, and you know that prices, particularly in California and New York, for training and caring for a horse, are it's a pretty big day rate. I, I just pray that we don't scare off owners. No, that's that's a legitimate fear. Um, you know, some of it is mitigated by, you know, owners are supposed to try and run this as a business, and perhaps they can... Uh, if, if they have an LLC as their ownership for racing, perhaps they can apply for a business loan through some of the federal uh, financial relief. That Those are things that are, are to be determined. But to your larger point, I, I think that is a legitimate concern and a legitimate fear. And a lot of it has to do with, as I was alluding to a few moments ago, not knowing how long this is going to take. Um, if, if, you, if, if they were able to say with certainty, okay, look, we're not going to run for three weeks, but then we'll be back up and running. I think most owners would be like, all right, I get it. You know, we'll, we'll hang in there. But if it's going to be a long time and right now, nobody knows how long it's going to be, then that I think understandably makes people anxious and nervous. And, and there, I'm, I'm sure there will be some who are going to look to cut their losses and either sell horses or 
maybe just turn them out to a, uh, a layup facility where the day rates are a lot less expensive than keeping a horse in training at a racetrack. Well, you know, we, we've got a uh, situation in the Midwest where some tracks meets are over and they kind of want their horses, they don't want to be paying to maintain the track when there's no racing going on forever. And then you've got tracks that normally would be open that are not accepting horses. I mean, if you're training a string of, I'm going to say 30 horses, it's not like you can just call your owner up and say, Hey, uh, Jay, um, I'm, you you want to take your horses back for a while? I mean, owners don't all have farms where they can lay up a horse, and farms have a limited amount of resources uh, that they can afford to, you know, uh, house X number of horses. I I just hope that the uh, the lawmakers understand you can't just shut this industry down and think these horses all have a home to go to. Right, and that's a that's a very good point, and I think that's hopefully a point that more uh, people in racing can use to convince the places where racing has been shut down that you can run races as they have, as they were doing at Santa Anita and as they are continuing to do at, uh, at Gulfstream and Oakland with just essential personnel only, but at least, at least the racing continues and there's some economic activity that gets generated by people being able to bet, because as you know, most people bet off track anyway now, and now you've got a captive audience. And at least in that way, there's some income generated for everybody. Uh, and you, and, and it, I think from an economic standpoint, it, it would help uh, not only the sport for sure, but it, 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 it's going to keep people off of unemployment by being able to provide jobs and income for those jobs uh otherwise they're they're going to be added to what's already turning out to be a record unemployment kind of numbers with the, the the country's facing so there's there's many good arguments to to do it um but there's i think it's a lot harder to open back up than it is to to shut down and hopefully the people who are the leaders of the sport and the brain trust at different tracks that are not being able to operate right now are trying their darndest to get uh, the people who in government who can give them the green light to go to, to get them to move that way uh, or at least start thinking about finding a horizon when that can happen. Uh, we're talking with Jay Privman from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, Jay, I, I know we don't know what we don't know, but I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out of the back of the closet right now and kind of tell me um, what you're, uh, you know, uh, kind of how you see and how you feel about the shakeup of the Triple Crown. Well, obviously, let's start with the Kentucky Derby. They they had no option but to well I guess they had they had no option but to postpone the race because as you know Keeneland's not running and um, as it turns out in the state of Kentucky right now the governor wouldn't allow racing even with essential personnel at this point now maybe he will uh, by uh, the first Saturday in May but you know for the Derby they they've got to make that call early on. And obviously Churchill Downs 
would prefer to run the race with with a live crowd uh, than they would run <laughs> yeah. it, uh, with just essential personnel only, right? So I totally understand why they postponed the race, and I think they were smart to postpone it as long as they did because if you only postpone it a month or two, you know, you still might be in a position of not knowing if you're going to be able to run the race. And if you push right. it back four months, it gives you a better chance of being able to run it and, and hopefully with some sort of a of a crowd. Uh, but, you know, we're all guessing at this point. I mean, who knows? By the time we get to that point, they might have to run it without a crowd or not run it at all. I mean, that might be the, the, the decision they have to make. And I'm sure if that was the case, they'd, they'd run the race with essential personnel only. Now, hopefully it doesn't get, get to that point. I'm just sort of laying out all the hypotheses of what could potentially happen because, as we've been saying, we, we don't know how this is going to play out. And I think the officials are just trying to follow the science and, and make the best decisions possible. So now you move on to the other legs of the Triple Crown. Uh, they haven't set a new date for the Preakness, but it's already been announced that it will be postponed. So that means... I would imagine it would be in September uh, following the Kentucky Derby. The Belmont at this point is still in its original spot in early June. Now, whether or not New York can be back up and running by then, who knows? Um, So you might be faced with a situation where if they're back up and running, they just go ahead and have that day because it's a blockbuster day for them with the Met Mile and the Ogden Chips and all the big races they have on that card. Uh, or they have to postpone the race. But if they postpone it and the, you try and have a triple crown that tries to mirror the pattern that you have most, you know, every other year, which is the Preakness following the Derby by two weeks and the Belmont following the Preakness by three weeks, you know, that puts the Belmont into October, which is when Belmont Park is running their big fall meet. It, it encroaches upon preps for the for the Breeders' Cup, and I don't know that that would be an ideal spot for the Belmont Stakes. So I think it's a moving target for everybody right now. Uh, the, we know when the Derby is going to be. We know the Preakness is going to be postponed, and we have and the Belmont at this point is still going to be in June. But I, I think we'd all be, uh, you know, smart to understand that there's a chance that it could be moved off that date. I mean, hopefully it's not. Uh, and if, look, if it ends up being a triple crown of Belmont Derby Preakness for this year, you know, that's what it'll just have to be because it's an unprecedented year. And I think there's just going to have to be an understanding that there's going to be an unprecedented, a potentially unprecedented situation because there's already going to be an unprecedented situation regarding the date of the Derby, just starting there. Yeah, and that and then, of course, there's going to be reshuffling of the deck with Derby qualifiers and Derby Derby points and uh one of my favorite races of all time being a upstate new york kid uh was the traverse stakes and now the question now is are is a track or the naira going to dig their heels in and say well we said we're going to run on this date and we're going to or would they i mean it would be the perfect of course you got the haskell too uh prep uh if all works well with the world. We pray it does um, for the Kentucky Derby. Um, so if they would move that back, I would think Churchill would grant points for the Travers Stakes since the, it's the Midsummer Derby uh, to try to have it far enough away that those horses could then uh, make a race into the most iconic race in the world, no matter what the purse is, the Kentucky Derby. I, I, I just... 
you know, it's like, <laughs> come on, folks, can we all get along here and try to somehow make this work? Uh, I, I just think that, that the, the Travers is a key race in this whole element. Sure, and if it stays in its original spot right now, it would be just a week or two before the the con- the new date for the Kentucky Derby. And obviously you're not going to get horses running in both if it stays there. So you're either going to have to move the race if you want to use it as a derby prep or just leave it there and figure that, you know, there are going to be some horses who run there and don't want to run in, in the Kentucky Derby. But you would, you would think that most horses that are good enough to run in the Travers at that point would, would might be wanting to run in the Kentucky Derby. So, you know, it, it it's going to require a lot of juggling in, in a lot of, cases because as you were just mentioning with the Haskell I mean if you do move the Travers when you know when the ha- if you know when the Haskell is going to be which is in mid July it, it's a tricky spot for the for the Travers because if you move too close to the Haskell you're encroaching on that but if you you want to be far enough away from the Derby to make it a Derby prep if you if you even want to move it there, there's just a lot of things that need to be worked out you know and it's not just back there for instance Delmar uh, John, they have a race at the end of their meet every year called the Shared Belief that's usually used to move horses along towards the uh, towards the fall meet at Santa Anita. But, yeah, I could envision Del Mar deciding to move the Shared Belief to early in its meet and, and maybe getting it uh, used as a prep for California-based horses to go on to the Kentucky Derby. And if they did that and enhanced that purse, maybe that impacts who goes from California for the Haskell and the Travers. Uh, there's just, it, it's going to be a very weird and unprecedented and un- unsettled second half of the year, even, even in the best of cases, because so many tracks are going to have to uh, tweak things or adjust things because of uh, what's gone on here the first half of the year. Well, should that uh, Delmar scenario that you put out there uh, take place, I know one person that would be very happy to see that, and that would be a guy by the name of Bob Baffert. Now, you've covered the West Coast forever, and he's loaded every year, but have you ever seen him this loaded with up-and-coming three-year-olds as this season? No, he's had, I mean, just in recent years, he's had, you know, the year of American Pharaoh, we had American Pharaoh in Dortmund, and, uh, you know, he's had McKenzie, who ended up unfortunately getting hurt the same year as, as Justified, just two years ago. So he's had, he's had pretty strong hands before, but, I mean, he, he certainly has a big hand to play this year, and, you know, the, 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 the hard part now is he's, he, like everybody else, with a top three-year-old at the beginning of the year, had been pointing for a race on May the second, and it's not going to happen now. So you have to figure out the way forward with which you know with with some of his horses they could probably use the extra time. A horse like uh, uh, Charlatan, for instance, he doesn't have right. to now be rushed like like a Justify. But in the case of a horse like Authentic, who was sitting on go for the Santa Anita Derby, which would have been last Saturday. Uh, and if he'd have done well there, he would have moved on to the Kentucky Derby. And you know, now you've got to kind of back off and come again. Um, so, and, and a horse like Tis the Laws is in a similar spot, won the Florida yeah. Derby, and now you've got to back off and come again with with him. So, it's it's going to make it a, a, a new road and an unprecedented road forward for for everybody in every way 
you could think of in the game, including how to get to the Derby. Well, Jay, I hope everything uh, sooner than later uh, returns to normal. Uh, It's great to hear your voice again. Uh, I appreciate you being on the show. Uh, Stay social, but stay distanced, my friend. (laughs) John, it's always great being with you. Please be safe, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you, uh, if not sooner, on the first Saturday in September. I know. Instead of the first Saturday in May, that's weird to say. (laughs) All right, Jay. Thanks a million. I appreciate your time. Thank you, John, for having me on. All right. That was Jay Primmon with the Daily Racing Forum. Quick break. and we come back, we're going to talk to a man that I really admire. That would be admire. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. And with the man that used to sit in this chair, the former host of Winning Ponies, he's been involved in every facet of the sport over his career, an owner, a racing official, morning line odds maker, announcer, marketing director, handicapper, writer, and I think sometimes he's the track mascot in between races wherever he goes. The one, the only, Ed Meyer. Ed, take off that horse head and talk to us. Good evening, John. How are you, my friend? 
Uh, we know we're hanging in there. We're, we're, we're doing okay. The bottom line is everybody in my family's healthy. Yeah, that's all I can wish for. And I hope it's the same for you. Well, it sure is. And, you know, right about now, as, as I heard Jay Primman speaking about these, these are unprecedented times. I mean, I don't think anybody knows where to go, but you know what? We're keeping our head and we're keeping positive and we're just taking it one step at a time, actually uh, hour by hour, day by day. But you know what? We're going to come through this. We're going to come through this. We're a resilient people, and we're a resilient nation, world. And you know what? We're going to come through this. And I think some things I think we're going to be better off at the end of. That's right. You keep them negative thoughts away, Moriarty. <laughs> In fact, it is. I, You know, John, I, I was just looking at something here. It was from the Pollock Report. Do you know? The track that I've never played in my life that is getting more play, new play that is, since the shutdowns, is Fonner Park over Oakland. Would you have ever bet a Diet Coke on that one? I wouldn't have bet my favorite case of beer on that one. Are you kidding me? <laughs> as, as a matter of fact, if you go to uh, tomorrow's forum, uh, Jay Pribman just wrote a story about how the smaller tracks are in the spotlight. And he specifically uh, talks about uh, uh, Foner and uh, Will Rogers. And I know that you've been successful uh, cashing some tickets there. Ed. I guess you've just taken your basic, uh, hey, here's how my daddy taught me to handicap stuff and just moved it over to a new set of past performances. I think it'd actually be a shame that I, I, I've, I've crept back in time. I, I've gotten the time machine and went in reverse. Uh, I'm playing $2,500 claimers, but I'm still having a blast. And that's the best part about handicapping, John. It doesn't matter if it's a grade one race or a $2,500 condition race. It's still racing action. It's exciting to see. And the other day they had a pick five. They handled $3.6 million on. And now I have to admit, I was right up on it, and uh, I, I had three out of five, which I'm not much of a pick five player, but at 3.6, wow, those are Breeders' Cup numbers. But you know what? During racing at this time, you know, it seems like it's a gift, and I'm relishing every single bite. Well, and I'm going to bring up a subject that I know we could spend an hour on, but I did want to touch on it. Um, and that's the fact that the track that you've been going to since you were a young lad, uh, that you've worked at numerous positions at, uh, and that would be Latonia slash uh, Turfway Park, will be going under the wrecking ball here in just a matter of weeks. Uh, what's that like for a guy that kind of cut his teeth on that track? Oh, wow. I, it was one of the first real tracks. I was just a lad. It was 1986, and Jerry Carroll had just purchased it and renamed it from Latonia Racecourse to Turfway Park and had a, had a brand-new sheen of green and white color, and it was so bright. And, and Gee, was I, I, loved it. I loved that monkey shit brown uh, <laughs> that they had going. <laughs> Wasn't that ugly? <laughs> was a orange orange and brown i mean is that all they had left in the paint supply <laughs> it was awful but you know Jer jerry did give me the the best 10 cent he said hey, all you got to do is clean the place up and throw a fresh coat of paint and you're up 40 percent and you know what he could uh, he could take a handful of dust and turn it into diamonds so uh st started in 86 john as a parking lot boy i mean i was a kid i was 18 years old just turned 18 you know and, and i kind of crept up the ladder i got a i got a chance to see the most important facet of racing which was the people 
And, I mean, from where they parked to where they were inside to what they liked to marketing to handicapping, I've done and had the opportunity to do a little bit of everything. I was there for 17 years from 86 on and left. I had a few family dilemmas and, and, you know, had to spend a little more time with my boy at home. And I returned back a couple years ago. I'm a racing official, placing judge. I work in the racing office. I have seen this place from soup to nuts, and there's none better. There's so much history. It's so thick with history. You walk through the halls, and you can remember what the the, the early 90s were when media was there, so thick. They were as thick as pea soup. I mean, they were there, and back then there were were some typewriters even out there. And it was still just a magical place. I have the opportunity to to work for a facility like that. I've only likened it to one other place, and it was River Downs. Turfway Park, Latonia, is where I grew up. I grew up there going with my dad and my grandpa. And, and this is where I learned how to read the racing form, the program. This is how I really fell in love. Between that and River Downs, these were the places that I fell in love with racing. Turfway and I, this, this is my muse. This, this is my lady. And to watch it actually go down and under the wrecking ball, as you said, I don't know. I have, I have mixed feelings. But with Churchill down, CDI purchasing this, this is going to be a top-notch facility from what went from Latonia to Turfway Park to now the new Turfway Park the CDI is going to own. You know what? I honor the old and look forward to the future. I, I have more memories, more wonderful horses. Uh, if, if I had to pin down just one, my favorite horse that ever won at Turfway Park was Point Given in the Kentucky Cup Day of Champions. You've always said that. You've you've always told me that. I always loved that race, that Silver Charm. Uh, it was the Kentucky Classic, and Silver Charm dead heated with, damn, I always forget this horse's name, but it was a race for the ages. It was fantastic. Neither horse would give up the entire length of the stretch, and they ended up in a dead heat. That was a great series, the Kentucky Classic. It's a shame it ever ended, but, you know, racing dates change in Kentucky, and uh, that that went to the sidelines. But nonetheless, I I don't want to spend all the time on that, because I know both of us spent a lot of time uh, looking at what is an outstanding Oaklawn card. Uh, We're talking... Uh, you know, the, the Oaklawn Park's got a trio of grade one winners running there. Uh, you know, with Tom's Day Tottenham Probable meeting in the Oaklawn Mile. Uh, Basin's going to run in the Oaklawn Stakes. Uh, you, you've got uh, some really good horses making a comeback. Uh, when you go down even through the allowance races, uh, you've got a debuting daughter of uh, the millionaire race mare Lady Tack's going to be in there. Uh, you've got uh, uh, horses that are halves to. Uh, California Chrome and Shamrock Rose. Uh, they're even going to start a little bit early for them, which is 1235 Central. So let's move right on. Let's take the big race first. As, as I stated uh, at the top of the show, it, it's not a Derby points race, but it could be a Derby points race, uh, number one, because of the talent, but number two, because the winner of this race is going to get to go to the Arkansas Derby, and that would be you know, the $200,000 Oakland. Yeah, it's real, it, and it plus it kicks off the pick three and the pick four, and you can bet dollars to donuts that pick four pool 
is going to be popping. I mean, you have two races of this caliber, John. Race nine, the, the Oakland Mile going a mile, and you, you touched on my topic, and I think I had said to you uh, quite some time ago that when you handicap as much as we have together, you start actually handicapping the same. I think Tom's the Todd is going to be as tough as nails. This son of smart strike for Al Stahl, looking for third in a row. Now take a look at the the offline there been off for four months but if you go back to thomas detente comes back incredibly well fresh there's a lot of timelines in there exits off of an incredible win in the grade one clark at churchill downs back in november of 19 looking for third in a row coming off of an extended layoff Alstall is very patient with bringing runners along. I think Tom Stetat is, is going to be really, really tough. I'm going to use ever long-range toddy for Dallas Stewart in number eight, Bankett. Well, Ed, um, there, there's four really talented horses that are making their 2020 debut, uh, all of them dangerous. Uh, you just uh, mentioned uh, and and picked two of them, uh, Tom's Day Tot, and uh, who hasn't raced since, as you said, the Clark Handicap. Long Range Toddy hasn't run since the Oklahoma Derby. Uh, you know he, but the thing is, uh, he certainly has a reputation. He uh, he won the Rebel Stakes here uh, at Oakland last year. Was third in the Southwest, uh, so he's going to be there now. Um, uh, let's see. Come on, John. Finally, oh, Mister Money, who uh, a horse that just kept rising through the ranks. He's probably better off a Grade Two or Grade Three horse, but just missed in the Grade One Pennsylvania Derby after reeling off five consecutive Grade Three races. So he's making his comeback. And the other horse that I surprised I didn't hear you mention is Improbable, uh, who. Uh, was uh, you know Baffert's big Derby horse last year uh, finished second to a nice little horse by the name of Omaha Beach in the Arkansas Derby after falling a neck short to Long Range Toddy in that Rebel. Uh, Ed, you were going to research whether or not they have a 14 gauge field for me this afternoon. What did you find out? I found that no scratches and all 14 are in according to Equibase. It's it's awfully hard for me to imagine coming out from that wide post position being a, a speedster stalker as improbable is. If, in fact, there is a 14 horse in there. Now, I found nothing on site. I, I really scanned it down. But I went back to Equibase, and I took a look, and all 14 were numbered in there. This is a kind of a speedy horse. It's going to be caught way out wide. That's really going to take a toll, John. Coming off of a five-month layoff, that's one thing. I mean... Bob Baffert, he he really, really does incredibly well at Oakland Park. But I think just the post position really just threw me out. Even if it was the 12 or 13, I, I would still balk. But I, I wouldn't say improbable is going to be all out of the money. But I, I kept looking at Tom Sattat. It, it just looked like everything was working in his favor there. I really liked it. If you get anywhere near 3 to 1, I think that is incredible value. He's got a nice late punch down the lane. And, uh, you know, going him out, that's that's a really quick run into that first turn. All right. Again, 14 horses in there, plenty of betting opportunities. Uh, boy, time's flying. So let's get to, let's get to the, the big race on the card, uh, the, the race that will get you into the Arkansas Derby, and that is the Oak Lawn. Uh, again, the uh, – 
the, the horses that kind of jumped to the top. You've got the grade one winning uh, hopeful winner Basin in there for Asmussen, who has three horses in this race, came back and finished third in Adal, who's not in this field. And then you've got Thousand Words that uh, was touted as, you know, Baffert's probably best derby contender, uh, million-dollar uh, son of Pioneer of the Nile. He started his career with three straight wins, six and a half, mile to 16th on an off track, mile to 16th then in his 20 uh, debut coming back in the Robert B. Lewis. Uh, and then question mark, uh, ran in the San Philippe, was the second favorite behind Authentic, another Baffert horse he's going to have to try to dodge. Um, it was beaten soundly. I uh, don't know what happened. He weakened. I did notice that Flavian Pratt's ridden him in every start, and he's being replaced by Joe Talamo. But, again, another one of Baffert's horses has had a tremendous workout regimen uh, coming into this race. So, Thousand Word comes up. Another horse that you got to maybe question or throw out his last race would be Gold Street. Asmussen starter, who uh, has already won in the Smarty Jones over the Oaklawn Strip. I just don't know what happened in that last race. Was beaten 23 and a half lengths. I don't know if Martin Garcia uh, wrapped up on him because I know he had traffic at one point in the race and then he just went backwards. You know, when, when you talked about thousand words, I saw those first three races. And you know what? Colts can throw it a clunker. It was second start of the 2020 season, and it just it really didn't look comfortable, the son of Pioneer than now. Bob Baffert aboard, you can bet dollars at donuts. Flavian Pratt will be back aboard. When a thousand words comes out of this and comes out skipping fine, that bullet work shows me that we're, re- we're up and ready here. This is third off a layoff. I like that. Shipping in from Santa Anita where Baffert wins 31% coming in for the money. Joe Talamo is red hot and on fire, winning 19%. But Flavian Pratt is taking some time down, especially due to the virus right now, as many big-name riders are, but he's coming back. He's going to start working out next week, and as soon as he can get on horses, he will be aboard. But Flavian Pratt will be back aboard. I think Thousand Words comes back and gives us a thousand reasons to keep on watching down the line. I think this is a nice, maturing cold here, lightly raced I think we got magic right here at the end of our fingertips. Joe Talamo is doing really well. Baffert's only had three starters with two wins. I think teaming those two guys up off that bullet work, lock me in. If I could find five to two to lock in, I'd double up. All right. Well, my producer's telling us we've run out of time, so uh, we're going to have to hope people get lucky in that middle part of the pick three, the 10th race, a really impressive maiden special weight, but you'll have to figure it out for yourself, folks, but we'll help you figure it out. Go to winningponies.com and pull down those easy win forms. Ed, thanks a million for joining us tonight. Thanks so much, John. Best of luck to everyone. Be safe and stay at home. All right. That was Ed Meyer. I want to thank Jay Privman. I want to thank our producer, Josh. I'm John Engelhardt from everybody at Winning Ponies. Stay social, but stay distance and wash those hands. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhardt. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.